and you put it in a package and someone consumes it is no different than potato chips from concept. If you look at it that way, it's like, okay, as an investor, let's back companies that, that can do that, meaning get a product to into someone's hands in a way that is profitable. <laughs> like, let's yeah. not complicate this with the insane supply chain issues and, and all everything else that comes with, with the big companies. So I don't want to go too far more into that. Yeah. But I think that's the keep it simple, stupid concept is, is really relevant still for investors looking at, at companies in the cannabis space. From the Pod Connect Studios, high in the Rockies at the beautiful Beaver Creek Resort, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today on MJ Bulls, we are continuing this year's 212 Cannabis Investor Series with another former guest and a great friend of the show, Cody Shark from Explorer Equity Group. Cody, welcome back to the show. Dan, it's great to be back. <laughs> I am always glad to have you on the show, but when I invited you this year, you mentioned that you were morphed way beyond cannabis and you were investing and you wondered if you were a good fit. So I thought the logical question, why did you move away and where did you move to? To be clear, I'm, I'm still a big believer in the cannabis market and there's still a ton of opportunity. There's opportunity in any industry if you look hard enough, but cannabis, the industry in general has matured where there's serious players coming in, into the game that the big companies that were small just five years ago are, have huge corporate interests in them. They have big PE investors and, and they're not the early stage venture capital style investments that they used to be. And, and that's kind of my game where I, I look for industries where there's early opportunity, where there's not a lot of players, there's not a lot of investors looking at it. And I think that's where in any industry, there's opportunity anywhere that's not crowded and you can come in and make sense of what's going on. Early on, that's where there's opportunity. So for me, cannabis is still something I'm, I'm, I'm very invested in, but I'm not actively searching for new deals or, or as active as I was several years ago. So what, what have I been focusing on now? Well, psychedelics is obviously a, a natural transition for a lot of the early cannabis investors. Um, I actually started investing in psychedelics about three years ago. And I'm pretty much, I would say, like fully deployed in, in psychedelics in the sense that I'm, I'm not investing anymore. I, I've, I feel comfortable with the investments I've made. That said, psychedelics is still really early and there's a ton of opportunity there for anybody who wants to dive in there. I actually think it's going to be bigger than cannabis long-term, but it's much more of a biotech pharmaceutical play. So yeah, I've invested there and then done a couple of things in space and, and some you know, tech companies where I think there's some real legs in the in the immediate future. So we can dive into any of those if you'd like. But yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of my game where I look for industries that are super early or not crowded yet. And I try and get in there, make sense of what's going on, make relationships with a lot of the CEOs and early movers and figure out who's the real players and then back who I think is, is going to be able to build big, great things. You know, you're not alone in this search to be a first mover or goal to be a first mover investor. I think a lot of the listeners that are that listen to this show went to cannabis because there was an opportunity because they were a first mover five years ago. Like you said, the today's billion dollar companies were just getting started. So they got an opportunity to jump in early. And that's most people would refer to that as really high risk. Yeah, it's high risk. I just want to make that clear. Like I you know, always people, what are you investing now? Or like, what's this, the hot stock tip? And I always say, well, first of all, early stage investing is very risky. But if you're going to do it, you have to go all in. I don't mean necessarily dumping your entire bank account. I mean, all in with your time and, and effort and doing due diligence. In any early stage industry, if you just spend maybe six months to a year just getting heads down, really doing research, 
pretty quickly you can figure out who's the real players and who's just coming in as a snake oil salesman. And for an early industry, if you can figure out those early players that are serious or legitimate and have a track record of success, you can make some investments early on that are likely to be successful just because in any early industry, the early legitimate players are, are typically successful. That said, you're going to have some losers in there as well. But yeah. in early stage investments, a couple of successful investments are going to far outweigh those losses that you're going to have. The thing it used to do before COVID that I think gave you a huge advantage was that you traveled to really remote places. You know, I mean, the name of your company is Explore Equity Group because you explored the world. I know you weren't able to do that during COVID, but post-COVID, have you been able to do that? And have you discovered any of these emerging trends? It's actually like a bigger topic that I think I've, it's really hit home. I'm very patriotic and pro-America, but I've made investments in, in over a dozen different countries. And before COVID, you know, I was spending a lot of time in China and, and kind of got the full exposure of what's really going on in China from boots on the ground and a couple of other countries. But obviously the world shut down in terms of being able to travel everywhere. And, and I had to refocus my efforts back in, in the US exclusively. But one thing that has kind of been a humbling experience is just realizing that, hey, the U.S. really is the best place to, to be investing. There's rule of law here. There's structure. There's morals and ethics that are generally accepted by the business community. And of course, there's going to be things that go wrong, but there's at least a structure here that allows for uh, a consistent playing field for investors and entrepreneurs alike. And that's one of the big lessons I've learned by doing those investments around the world is just the U.S. really is an incredible place. So I, right now, I'm, I'm pretty much exclusively investing in the U.S., Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I don't see a time within the next five, 10 years, if, if not further, that I'll really be venturing out into the world to do any more of those investments just because, yes, there's opportunity everywhere. But from a risk-adjusted perspective, it's probably best to stick in a jurisdiction that's going to have your back when, when the, the poop hits the fan. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Well, you do see some trends, though, that happen outside of our borders that sometimes dictate a direction that you may want to take. But Absolutely. It, it, and that's one good thing to stay aware of what's happening globally, and especially with cannabis. That's where the, one of the big opportunities I see now is that the U.S. is, is usually a leader in almost everything. And, it, and it, frankly, has been a leader with legislation changes as well. Of course, we've had a lot of turmoil. But when you look at a population that has access to medical or recreational cannabis, the, the U.S. is massive. I mean, just the state of California yeah. is bigger than the entire country of Canada. And, and now we're looking at New York, Florida, you know, Illinois, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, then we go on and on and on that, that, are, that are going towards full rec markets. And, and you go, whoa, this is a major industry now. So you look at that and then you say, oh, let's look at Europe. What's going on over here? What are the trends over, over there? And you can kind of see them following suit. So for people who want to target early stage investments in Europe, you can target some countries now that are going to develop some great programs. Definitely not going to be as big as the U.S., but there's opportunity to get in early. And a lot of those countries are going to follow the models that U.S. states have, have made mistakes with or, or, or had success with, but they can kind of cherry pick what, what worked out best and, and try and replicate those models in those countries. Yeah, that's good advice. Like you said, it's, it, they can look to what we've done to, to, to avoid making the same mistakes. You know, let's switch gears and talk about the entrepreneurs, the startups. I know one of the things that you we talked about in previous interviews is that you always sort of look for the good ideas in the company. And sometimes those good ideas are not what the startup or the entrepreneur thinks they are. Most investors just don't have time, though, to dissect somebody's business and say, you know what, this is really your business, not this. This is really your business. So what kind of advice would you give a startup to, to maybe identify 
an opportunity within their business that they may not see because they're too close. To, they don't see the forest from the trees. Yeah, I think it's a saying that's like, uh, what's it? Think global, but act local with the, the sense of have this bigger perspective, but attack the problem from the, where you're at immediately and not try not to get lost in the bigger picture. But some advice I would say coming from me, and this is not advice as in I know what's going on. This is advice and I've lost a lot of money doing some boneheaded mistakes and backing some companies I wish I hadn't. But I think that saying is think global, act local is, is really relevant with cannabis. And, and the reason why it's relevant is because I think especially several years ago, there's a lot of companies that raised a ton of money to develop these basically huge footprints, whether it was to manufacture cannabis or to sell it or transport it or whatever it was. And what happened was they got hung up in just lawsuit after lawsuit with, with different cities, counties, states trying to figure out how to you know make their business work. Yeah. And when you expand too rapidly, what happens is you end up spending more time on on fighting with people rather than actually building your actual business. Mm -hmm. And I think right now, a lot of the cannabis companies that are, are still successful are the kind of the homegrown brands and, and companies that have focused on their local communities, their local region, and, and made a really solid customer base by providing great products and services. And, and now that they can prove that they're a profitable, successful company, now they can go expand to new states. Now they can expand to new services. But as an investor, it's hard to get excited about a small company in, in a little town doing something. But that's one of the lessons you know I, I've learned is just, hey, the keep it simple, stupid saying it is really relevant with cannabis. Because at the end of the day, this is a plant that grows out of the ground. And you put it in a package and someone consumes it. It's no different than potato chips from concept. If you look at it that way, it's like, okay, as an investor, let's back companies that, that can do that, meaning get a product to into someone's hands in a way that is profitable. <laughs> like let's yeah. not overcomplicate this with the insane supply chain issues and, and all everything else that comes with, with the big companies. So I, I don't want to go too far more into that. Yeah. But I think that's the keep it simple, stupid concept is, is really relevant still for investors looking at, at companies in the cannabis space. I say this all the time. There's too many companies that are chasing the investor by trying to concept that they're a unicorn. And to do that, if you're running your business to try to attract investors, I think you miss the whole point. <laughs> and that's if you build a business that's profitable, they will come. If you build a business that's not profitable, but hey, it would be if you guys invest this money, I think that's backwards. Absolutely. And, and I don't want to throw any companies under the bus here, but anybody who's listening who's been in the cannabis game for a little while, they know what happened in Canada. So, so Canada's entire population is smaller than the state of California. But there's companies that spent hundreds of millions of dollars over the past five years developing these grows across Canada, whether it was actually building ground up greenhouses or getting uh, traditional greenhouses that were growing tomatoes or, or other vegetables and, and, and converting them to cannabis grows. And what happened is you have this huge supply of cannabis with not that many consumers. So you just spend all this money growing this plant and then no one's actually consuming it. And, and there's two things going on there. One, there's the actual like literally population. Okay, well, you can't grow more than people are going to consume, but also just the logistics of, of transporting it and, and getting it from province to province in Canada. That was a big issue. And then also country. You can't export from Canada to the U.S. if the U.S. federal government still says it's illegal. But a lot of companies invested a lot of money with that expectation that that was going to happen. Well, it hasn't happened yet. And it's been 
it's everyone's kind of tapping their fingers on the table. And, and I think idea to have, but from an investor's perspective, like it's a pretty high risk assumption to make that governments are just going to roll over and, and change change laws in, in a couple of years. So yeah, I think that's that's one of the big the big things to looking back and realize like, well, there were some big mistakes made here with just the assumption that all of a sudden things are magically going to change. And, and I raised my hand as being one of the people that was stuck in that trap for a little while. Well, it's easy to get caught in that wave. Before we wrap up, can you tell us some of the other advantages of working with you guys? I don't want to throw a full pitch out there, but at the end of the day, I'm an investor that literally goes out and meets up with companies and meets with entrepreneurs and gets a really good idea of who these people are and what they're all about. And I'm not going to say that I'm any better than anybody else in making friends or, or, or establishing these relationships, but I will say that I've made enough mistakes in the past five to 10 years that I can go back and write an entire novel of the things not to do. And while I'm not necessarily proud of that per se, I am confident in knowing that, hey, I, I can speak with authority with a lot of the past mistakes that I'm not going to be making in the future. And and I encourage any investor who's is entering any industry, but especially the cannabis industry, to, to only invest with people that know what the heck is going on. And, and really, the only way you're going to know anything in life is by going out, making mistakes, and then learning the hard way. It's the school of hard knocks. I mean, overall, we did we did very well. But looking back, I can just look at some things. And I'm just like, oh my god, I can't believe we did that. And I will never make any of those mistakes again, just because it hurts so bad when it happened. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, you're not alone. I I think you're right. The only way to really, whether it's business or investing or anything else, is you actually have to do it, and then you, yep. and you learn from your mistakes and you move on and. We'll have links to Explore Equity Group in the show notes. So if you're a company looking for investment or you are an investor that wants to be part of this first movers group, <laughs> check out the link in the show notes or go to podconnects.com. Cody, always fun to have you on the show. Let's do it again next year. Excellent, Dan. I really appreciate your time and uh, I always love talking to you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.